Welcome to another episode of the Creative on Purpose broadcast, conversations about finding fulfillment through more meaningful work. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Creative on Purpose, available on Amazon, or visit BeCreativeOnPurpose.com to get started with free chapters. Let's meet today's guest. Adrian Osborne, welcome to the broadcast. Please introduce yourself to our audience and share a project that you're currently working on or excited about. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yes, I am a vocal coach and a studio owner. Uh, in a previous life, I was a world-ranked water skier and a software developer. And the project that I'm working on right now that I'm excited about is something called The Legend Makers, which is a band with no lead singer. <laughs> and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get into uh, what we're gonna talk about today. That's uh, so, so you, you've created a band, um, not, not unlike the wrecking crew. Is that right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, just in, in the interest of full disclosure here, I'll, I'll go ahead and share with our audience how Adrian and I met. We met through a program, uh, that is created and uh, put out by Seth Godin called the marketing seminar. And Adrian and I are both grad. I'm a graduate of, of session one and Adrian and I are both graduates of session four, a program I'm very pleased and proud to be uh, a coach in in the current fifth session. And it was, uh, that was fun, huh, Adrian? Yeah, it was intense. I cannot believe how much I grew in the four months of that program. My, my whole worldview shifted and then the growth that's come out of that ever, you know, as I've been executing on the things that, that I learned in that. It's, I'm, yeah, I'm really glad. And so, I mean, and, and your project that you're currently working on. Right. I mean, that really. project came directly out of TMS4, um, most specifically from a book that someone in our group recommended. Uh, the book is called uh, Badass Your Brand by Pia Silva. And in that book, she talks about finding the, um, the part of your business that you love the most and see if you can make that the core of your business. And so, you know, I run a vocal studio where we have, uh, gosh, we have 11 teachers now. Um, we have 10 voice teachers and one artist development coach. And we have been putting on what we call showcases, you know, performance opportunities for our students every couple of months where my, my band, Adrian O is the name of the band, um, backs up my students. And I love those shows. I love the rehearsals. I love giving people that opportunity. It's a, it's a total thrill. And but, but in, the, in the studio context, it's a break-even proposition it's, or even a loss leader. You know, it's, it's just something I love to do. So I looked for, you know, ways to think about this thing differently. Like, can this be put into a, this experience? Can it be put into a different context or a different market or packaged differently? Or, or you know, what can I do to make it uh, actually profitable? <laughs> and that's where I came up with the idea of the legend bankers, which will be a, a band uh, for primarily uh, companies, you know, to, to hire for corporate events, which will allow their team members to have peak experiences through music and big lights and big sound and, um, you know, just the same thing we're doing at my studio, but 10x, you know, much, a much bigger experience. I mean, because some of the, the best memories and experiences I have had have been when I've worked really hard and, and got my band booked into a theater show. Like we headlined the Gothic theater and, or, you know, played at the Bluebird theater, or, you know, these big shows we've had, those moments are transcendental. There's so much work to get to, but they change you. 
and I just, I want to, I want to keep providing that for, for more people. So absolutely. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why you and I really connected in the seminars, because obviously we are involved in a similar domain and, one of the things that I know sets me apart as, as a guitar instructor is the number of times I present my students with the opportunities to perform in public. And um, those are unpaid um, uh, situations for me in terms of, you know, any financial remuneration, but they are, uh, it's kind of like why I do it to see mm-hmm. all the work um, and to, it, it's it's about the power, I think, of encouragement and, and empowerment. You, you're you're gently nudging somebody into this into this endeavor that they are scared out of their minds to do, and then they do it, and you can just you just see them come alive, and it's uh, it's 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 really powerful, and it's it's I think why the work that you know that that work that you and I do is, is, is so important. So before we get into um, the topic that you wanted to discuss today, I I just got to ask, because I think there's probably something here for people that are um, wanting to become more intentional and effective creatives. How does one go from um, a world-class water skier to a vocal coach with a school with 11 instructors? (laughs) Oh, you follow the spark. Um, well, I mean, I, I wasn't a, a, a water skier by uh, career. In other words, I didn't make a living doing it. But um, there are very few people who who can manage to do that in that sport. But that was my that was my passion for 15 years. So my my career shift was from being a software developer. I was in the dot com boom, and I moved to Colorado to join a startup and. You know, it got crazy. We got acquired. Um, I had a regular corporate job for a while. Um, there was a big meltdown, blah, blah, blah. I had some time to think about what I wanted to do with my life. And so I, I just made sure that I didn't go take another job for a month. I gave myself some time to think because I'd known that I was very unhappy for the past three years or so. So going back a little bit to kind of like tie this into my story, you know, I was a water skier. That was my, my peak performance experience. Like I, I, you know, I did mental training for that visualization, meditation, and the moments that I had where, you know, you just get into that focus zone in tournaments. Those were what I lived for that and the thrill of the speed crossing the wake. Anyway, I stopped doing that in 2003. And so then I had about three years where I wasn't doing anything that provided me any peak experiences. And it was a very gray time. It was just work. And I knew I needed something. So this leads into how I found my next thing. I just was like hiking around one day, kind of trying to calm down from the meltdown that had happened at my company. And I, I remembered, you know, I always wanted to be a singer when I was a little girl. Maybe I should take some voice lessons. And that's where it started. Took some voice lessons, joined a band. My my voice teacher invited me to start a band. We did. I started another band. I joined, I just started saying yes, because the bigger, the more I followed that spark, the bigger it grew into a fire. And I realized, wow, I can actually maybe make some money doing this. <laughs> started teaching on my own. Um, I mainly started teaching because I was having trouble finding a vocal coach that I really felt was giving me what I was looking for, which was popular, a popular music focus, not a classical focus. And, um, you know, good use of my time and money, basically. So I taught myself to teach so that I could become a better singer. And 
that's it all went from there. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. It's uh, interesting because I had a similar experience. I started off as a music store. And when I realized that I wasn't going to quite make it, you know, financially just selling guitar strings and picks, I decided to open up the back room and start giving lessons. Mm-hmm. Had it never having ever considered doing that before. Interesting. And, and then that, beca- and then I realized that's what I love doing. And um, it only took me six years to figure out the math that I could either spend um, my time up front earning $3 an hour, <laughs> spend my time in the back earning at that time $30 an hour yeah. Um, yeah, and to sell off the inventory and just become a, a you know a guitar studio. But um, it is funny how, um, how our, you know, it only makes sense when you look back as, oh, this was what I was meant to do. But one of the things, there's two things that you said that I'd like to just pull on and then um, we'll get into the meaning of life. Uh, <laughs> the first is you took, because I, I share this on my, I have a, a, a download on my side about the power of taking a pause, like stopping your, mm-hmm. you know, and not acting, not doing, but pausing. And that was something that struck me from what you just said. You took a month off you know, to decompress, to think, and to not, you know, go knee jerk to the next, um, next job, but to think about, your, think more um, mindfully and be more present about what you were going to be doing next. And the other thing is the, the idea, and I've experienced this too in, in my lesson uh, studio, is, you know, we become, the teacher that we become is often a result of having spent a lot of time scratching our own itch because we never found the mm-hmm. right teachers for us, or we, you know, it just it, we were never totally fulfilled or satisfied by what others had to offer. So we kind of come up with our own path. Um, you want to speak to either of those things before we dive into? Uh, before I, I'm just trying to create mm-hmm. a little tension here, just to be clear everybody adrian has discovered the meaning of life and she's going to share it with you very soon <laughs> but you're going to have to wait until she speaks to these uh these <laughs> yeah it's going to be a roundabout journey to to reveal the meaning of life here um and i i don't even say that facetiously i, I mean i feel like i've really figured it out for myself after these 45 years but no i mean i feel like you've summed up those two things so we have the taking a pause which was critical i mean i knew that i was at a turning point in my life and i knew that it was kind of now or never. So let's see, it was 2006. So I was 33. And I thought, you know, if I am going to go down a different path in my life, now is the time. So it was, it was kind of just a, a no brainer. And it was um, interesting that the fates aligned in such a way that provided you the opportunity to, to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, I'd actually been wanting to leave for a couple of years, but I had golden handcuffs. I had a lot of stock options that I'd be walking away from which never ended up amounting to anything because the company didn't go public while I was still there. So whatever, but I couldn't walk away from it. And then let's see, your other point was about scratching your own itch. Oh yeah. That I think is the reason the business succeeded. So now there are a lot more people teaching popular styles of vocals now than there were a decade ago. But at the time I, you know, I put up a website and I got business right away because there, I don't think there was anybody saying that they were teaching anything but classical or musical theater. So, um, you know, scratching your own itch, I think, can point to what's missing in the market. It's a good market signal. Absolutely. So um, let's move on. The meaning of life. Tell us all all about it. 
Okay. Like I said, a roundabout journey to get there. We have what? We have 20 minutes. All right. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So first I was a water skier. That's where I, I pursued, um, well, non or I'll call it non-ordinary consciousness. So I've been a lifelong searcher for something extraordinary in life. Like I've, I've always, even when I was six years old, I, you know, I looked at the adults in my life and said, yeah, I don't want to be that. I need something different. I need, I, I need some variety. I need, I didn't even know what. And when I found water skiing, that was the first thing that's, that fed that need where the, the focus required to go at the speeds and do the precise moves that are required in, in the kind of skiing I do led me to find um, mental states that I had never experienced before. For example, in one tournament, I think where I set my personal best, um, I remember sitting on the dock, you know, getting ready, doing my calming, my, my using my anchor, which was like, you know, a certain motion with my hands and getting into the space. And I got really good at like getting right there into that space. And then I came into the course all sound stopped. I couldn't hear anything. Time slowed down. And I just went through the course just so easily and smoothly. And I could remember every split second of the whole thing, which the pass lasts only 19 seconds. Wow. And you end up, you know, when you're cross, I'm going through the course. So you're, you're crossing the, the wake and it, it's this going fast. And like, it's so easy to screw up. But when you're in that space, time slows down. There is no self. You're just observing. You're just experiencing. It's a very rich experience and it's effortless. So uh, water skiing took me into sports psychology, which took me into meditation and visualization. So, you know, of course you get non-ordinary states of experience when you learn to meditate. Um, Then um, there are other ways that people find these peak states. And actually I'm going to reference this book now, uh, Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel. I think this might've been a Tim Ferriss recommendation. Uh, The subtitle is How Silicon Valley, the Navy SEALs and Maverick Scientists are revolutionizing the way we live and work. And this book refers to these uh, alternate forms of of mental states. Um, Well, they focus on three main kinds. There's flow, which often happens in sports, like like I experienced, or in music, there are contemplative states, like often, you know, from meditation or chanting or dancing. Uh, and then there's psychedelic states, um, you know, often found through drugs. So the second kind of mental state that I found was through drugs. So I did a fair bit of ecstasy in my late twenties. Um, and then I found additional peak states through music. Um, as I became a performer, I found direct correlations between the highs that I got from water skiing and the highs that I would get uh, at certain moments performing on stage. So anyway, I've, I've always searched for these things. I have all these notes I'm looking at, that's why I'm looking down. Um, and this all ties into creativity too, because when, when I write songs and get into that flow state, I'm touching something outside myself or I'm, I'm getting into that that state. So let's see, how do I tie this together? Um, Let me take a step to the side for a moment and talk about my spiritual orientation. So I'm, I'm not a religious person. I'm fairly close to maybe a materialist, but I also feel like 
there is this source or this ocean that we draw from. There's, I mean, that's where those alternate states seem to connect to. So when I'm in the flow songwriting, I feel like the muses are speaking through me. I'm not, I'm not doing the thinking. I'm not being intellectual about it. I'm being open and I'm reaching into another source. When I am in the zone on stage, it's not really me and my little ego performing. It's something else coming through me and out into the audience. When I am in peak performance water skiing, I am letting the flow happen through me. So all these states are very similar. And I believe <clears throat> that the meaning of life is to be a physical body here in this version of reality that goes and visits the source, that place, that alternate state for inspiration and ideas, and then comes back here into this world and tries to execute on them as imperfect as we may be. So to say it again, the meaning of life, the meaning of my life, and I think this could be said for you know, uh, humans in general, is to visit and touch the source, call it God, call it the muse, call it <laughs> subconscious, whatever you want to call it, um, and to bring back those ideas and insights and do your best to make them happen. That's really fascinating because, well, first of all, I love a lot of the work that I do is, is about that zooming out and like contextualizing things like getting outside of yourself and taking more of a bird's eye view of where do you fit in, in a grander scheme of things, not just your immediate surroundings, but, you know, in terms of the planet and, and the cosmos and in, in general. And then that is a vehicle that can help you get out of your own way, whether you want to call that ego or what have you. I mean, the thing that's blocking most of us from achieving our potential is the person you see when you look in the mirror and the source and the, the hero that will help you break through is that same image, you know, is a, is a person creating that same image in the mirror. And so when I heard you talk, describing it that way, right before we started, uh, right before we went live, we were talking about the hero's journey that we go out we go into this magical land, we fight the demon or the monster or the shadow self or whatever it is, we, we steal the gift, and then we come back, uh, you know, we come back home, and we ourselves are transformed, but we also have something to share with the community. So, uh, so Problem yeah. solved. Well, we, we've got ten more minutes. Yeah, we, oh yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't leave enough tension there. I got to it too quickly. <laughs> I was just so excited to share. No, but this all ties together. So I, re I referenced that book, and then I I didn't really talk a whole lot about what's in it. Um, but I want to say a couple of things about this. So um, this book was written just a couple of years ago. Um, there's a lot of research being done in into how to achieve peak performance states because, well, first of all, we work better when we're in them, but also the things that come out of it. I mean, it the the results of being in a peak performance state are cumulative over time. The more often you go visit those places, like the more often you meditate or the more often you do an extreme sport or whatever it is that you choose, um, the more likely you are to reach an advanced stage of personal development and become a leader. And even you keep getting that, that zooming out perspective. <clears throat> so that's where the legend makers comes in, in a small way into my life. You know, I, I've talked about how I want to provide the experience of, uh, you know, that peak moment to people. And 
being on stage performing in front of people is one of many ways that can you know, trigger that sort of feeling. So, you know, based on my history in, um, in music and my vocal studio and being in corporate bands and, you know, all this stuff, it all kind of comes together into this new project that I'm excited about. <laughs> it's, um, well, and the other thing about that project of yours, there's, there's two things. One is you're, you're doing something that most people are terrified of, you know, getting up on stage and having light shining on you. And then they give you a microphone, which means that you are going to be amplified, right? I mean, yeah. these are things that um, you and I may really enjoy and get off on, but a lot of people, for a lot of people, this is, this is like the definition of hell. And, um, but at the same time, you are doing this in a way, there's two things going on here that, that I think, um, are really important. One is, and we experienced this in the marketing seminar, creating a safe space. We're creating this kind of bubble in Mm -hmm. which it's kind of like what happens, what happens in this event stays in this event. (laughs) We're not, you know, we're not going to, um, necessarily put all this up on you know youtube and and broadcast the world your your first attempt at singing with a band um and the other is the idea that uh well there's two things kind of packed into this it's play the idea of being playful of playing of um engaging in something in this with a kind of more childlike spirit of you know beginner's mind and and fearlessness and courage because um I mean, that's when people say that they they are not creative or can't, uh, you know, don't self-identify as creative. I always ask them like, oh, so you like never had stuffed animals and you never played, you never drew in a coloring book and you, ne- you know, you, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody yeah. is creative and we just lose touch with it, whether it's through schooling or, or life uh, or peer pressure or whatnot. Um, but yeah, so, yeah. Right. Yeah, sorry to interrupt there. Um, I was gonna say, uh, with this with this band, the Legend Makers, I want play to be the orientation. I don't want people to think that they have to go up and sing well. We're, we're gonna give them every support to try to do so. You know, good monitoring, and we're gonna you know in, invite people to come to rehearse with us so that the first time they're singing with a band is not while they're on stage. It's you know they get some time in advance. But the song list that I've put together to start with really focuses on people having fun. Like, what would be the most fun to sing? Not would be the most what would be the most you know, impressive vocal thing? Because that's not what this is about. Right. This is about community and laughing and cheering each other on and doing it all in front of you know in in front of a bunch of people with big lights and and, and having that experience. Well, and that's uh, you, you know that I love that the whole idea. And so you're also kind of building in this idea of practice and habit building and you know all the things that are required if we're going to make meaningful long-lasting changes you, you you don't do that by just it's, it's never a one or done mm-hmm. enterprise you have to if you're going to get on stage there will have to be uh some there has to be some preparation and there has to be some practice um what we about invite, sorry what about what i was just gonna say i'm just curious about this this part of it because it's something that i um tried to that I approach with my students when they're, especially when they're getting prepared for their first public performance. Um, how, how do you help people 
prepare for being present and and you know for for uh, being there in that moment um, and not not thinking about all the the, the ego concerns or you know. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. And one, I think I need to spend more time thinking about, I mean, the rehearsals are the first step towards that because I know that, I mean, having subbed in with other bands, even though I'm experienced walking on stage and singing with other bands, it's always disorienting because there are different people and different sounds than you're used to. And so if the first time you're going on stage is when you're going live, it's very hard to, you know, have, it's really hard to be in the moment. You're just distracted. So having rehearsals where people can, you know, get used to a wireless microphone, get used to if I'm, I'm even considering offering in-ear monitors, like people walk up on stage, they get a belt pack, they can use their own earbuds then they can actually hear themselves. But having some previous experience with that, I think just reducing the number of variables they have to deal with in their sensory input is one way. All that said, it's not like we're going to rehearse for a year for every gig. (laughs) So I'm going to have to give some thought about, additional ways we can teach people to get close to that moment. I think for some people it happens naturally because the moment the pressure's on, they, boom, they're like in that moment. I saw it happen last Thursday at our last student showcase. This guy was just like so crazy in the moment, but that's just kind of, he just goes there. Um, for other people, it, it may not be something they can get to in two rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. Best we can to make them feel safe. You know, we have band members who love doing this. It's not like I'm hiring guys who are, you know, jaded, cynical musicians. They're, they're already my showcase musicians and they're doing it because it's a, a great, like seeing other people have a thrill is a thrill. Right. So yeah, well, that's that, that that's the side of empathy that we almost never pay attention. We always think of empathy as the ability to see or see here and understand somebody else's suffering. But the real empathy, the real empathetic hurdle is can you feel, can you see here and understand somebody in, in a moment of joy, in a right. moment of bliss, because, um, you know, it, it, if you're witnessing somebody suffering, it's easy to say, well, thank God that's not me. But if you're seeing somebody having a really great time, it's could be really hard to say, wish oh, that was me. Good for them, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, when I talk to students about, uh, you know, helping get them present and centered and, and um, focused in, in the moment on stage for the first performance. I actually do a variation of what we learned in the marketing seminar, which is instead of asking what's it for, I encourage them to serve the song, don't make the song serve you. And it's just this idea that, you know, what music is for is communication, connection, and collaboration. And the act of performing is a collaboration between artist and, and audience. And so if you're focused, if instead of focused on what you're experiencing or what you wish to experience, which is a form of attachment that can only lead to suffering, to just, you make it, you actually alluded to this in, in a way when you're talking about um, being the, the vessel through which inspiration comes. That's like, a, reminds me a lot of Elizabeth Gilbert's TED talk about genius, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, and what she says there is, well, if things go really, really well, or if things go really, really badly, just say, yeah, it's a bad, bad genius, bad muse. You know, yeah. she, just, she didn't bring it. I was there. Um, <laughs> at the same to- token, if, uh, if things go really, really well, you have to then say, well, you know, it was great that I was there, but it really mm-hmm. was me. You know, it's a way of keeping 
uh, you know, a sense of humility about, um, and that's, I think, uh, at the core of, of the work that we do is, yeah. you know, that it's, it's a, how, what a great thing, you know, what, how, how grateful we should be for this, just this gift of being able to, to do something that for many, many people is, is, you know, mystical, magical, you know, we, they mm. just can't even fathom where yeah. that comes from. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Um, focusing less on yourself, being less self-conscious is the way to serve your audience. And I've, I, ha- I've, I had to do a lot of thinking of, about this when I first started performing because I was critically terrified of being on stage. Um, I, I, not, not as a singer, but um, I have passed out because <laughs> of not breathing um, when I was in front of a camera. So like being on stage in front of people is, was terrifying to me. So I, I had to take the, the mental skills I developed for tournament water skiing and bring those onto the stage. So things like centering, mm-hmm. um, breathing, um, anchoring into a, a mental space. And so I, you know, I can pull on some of those and, and teach some of those techniques, but I kind of, I think that, that it all sums up really well to just say like, it's not about you. It's about the song, the music, the audience serve instead of be the center of attention. And then it's most likely to go well and you're most likely to have a good experience with it. Very good. Well, I think that's a, we're at the end of our 30 minutes. That's a great place to, a great note to end on. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> see, what, see what I did there? Yeah. Um, so Adrian, I neglected to ask this at the beginning. Um, forgive me, but please tell me, tell our audience where they can connect with you outside of this broadcast online. Sure. Well, my studio is Performance High, and you can find that at performancehigh.net. That's where we do vocal training and artist development, and we can do some of that by Skype uh, or other online methods. And then the corporate band is called The Legend Makers, and you can find that at thelegendmakers.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you're still with us, we appreciate your time and attention. Please connect with Adrian Osborne at her website. And it's always good to hear from you as well at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Now, remember the words of Epictetus, learning that does not lead to action is useless. Go out there and share your best work and the lessons that you learned in today's broadcast with those that need it. It really matters. Adrian Osborne, thanks so much for your generosity and being here and for all the great work that you do. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Scott. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're still with us, we really appreciate your time and attention. Please connect with our guest wherever they live online. And it's always good to hear from you at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Now, remember the words of Epictetus. Learning that does not lead to action is useless. So go out there and share your best work with those that need it. It really matters.